Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We are back. Recycling. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of West by Pod, a podcast about West Virginia sports, the Big 12, and football purgatory. I am Jordan Pinto, uh, joined uh, for a change, not by Joel Bracken, but by Jake Lance. What's um, up, everybody? How's it going, Jake? Jake, we always we always seem to call you in at the worst times. I think last year <laughs> I called you our, our human support. Uh, you know, you were like our support dog. I don't know how that happened to you, but but after all of the worst losses, maybe it's because you do you do curmudgeon uh, well. You know, you you do the upset <laughs> side of things well. It, you can't see it, but this great this gray beard. Uh, uh, comes in handy sometimes. Yeah, just, just Jake likes to grumble about stuff, and and it's it's. I mean, Jesus, it is. Uh, it's easy to feel in a grumbling kind of a mood. Um, that is true. After after what happened Saturday night, I mean, I don't know. Like, where do we even start with this? Um, like, do you have a do you have a preference where to start? I, I, I think you know. I, I speak for a lot of people here, which is. Not many people thought we were going to win, but you certainly thought it was going to be closer than it was. And all the goodwill that got built up, hey, we, we're, we're going to be, we're going to run the ball. We're going to keep it close. We're going to, you know, manage the margins and everything. And you ran into a buzzsaw. And this isn't like the Dana teams where it was like, hey, we're going to go out here and we're going to, we're going to, play what they used to call offensive chicken. We're going to dare you to score every, we're going to dare you to score a touchdown on every play, right? Oklahoma did, and they got up big, quick, and you could just kind of feel the like, we're not built for this, and it, it ain't going to be pretty. You know, I was at a bar, and about halfway through the, the first quarter, we just kind of went, it's not our night, you know. <laughs> Waitress, going to get another beer, please? Yeah, yeah, no, quick second beer order for sure. I had several on deck. I was recycling my ass off thinking, you know, hey, if I trust the climb, if I drink enough trust lagers, then maybe that translates to the field. Um, but yeah, man, it did like, God, the first drive that we had coming out, right? It's just like, I fuck, like I was the Randy Marsh uh, spooky ghost meme. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but like, it was just like the most amazing thing that you could have ever imagined. Like we take the ball there stuff it right down their throat, fucking beautiful drive. And then it was all downhill from there. It literally, like, it was all downhill from there. I, like, I don't know. I mean, I was doing the notes for this. I was trying to think. And, like, when I came up with pros, I was like, well, you know, I thought Trail and Ray looked pretty good. And, like, that is literally the only positive bullet point that I had for the, for the night. You know, it was one of these things where I actually, I think I think uh, Joel and I had it handicapped well, um, you know, just uh, of of, like, Look, they're they're gonna pass, and like if we can't stay close to the receivers, if we can't tackle them in space, it's gonna fucking suck. And that happened. And on the other side of the ball, um, you know, Oklahoma's run defense is good, but the pass defense they give up a ton of explosive plays. And I, I was like, I figured we'd have guys open, and we had to hit them. And Garrett Green, 
for the first time all year. He flinched. I thought he looked hesitant. Um, it looked like the game was moving a little faster than he wanted it to. You know, he was kind of. It looked like his clock was sped up. Um, and and he was a little jittery. He missed a lot of throws that he has made this year. Um, ten for what? Ten for thirty-one combined between the two guys. I don't know what Green was personally, but. Um, we had guys open all night. I mean, you know, we had every opportunity to make this a game and it's just the same old Neil Brown story. And like, I, you know, it, it feels weird to, to like say that because what have we said so far is, is our guys couldn't get close to their guys and our quarterback missed throws that were there. So like how much of it is Neil's fault? But like after five years of this, does it just feels like it is what it is. I mean, yeah. it, it, it really does. I know you have thoughts about that. I don't know if we, I mean, there's more we could say like, you know, actually, I, I want to do my Oklahoma rant real quick, and then we can just get into Neil Brown. It's just like I, I like I cannot imagine a more unbearable combination of fan and team. Like after a fucking decade and a half in the in the Big Twelve with these guys, and like they have dominated, they have, um, and that's fine. But like they carry themselves like they're Alabama or Georgia or, or fucking Clemson or Iowa State. I haven't won a national championship since two thousand. It's like great, you beat us every year, and then you get stomped the fuck out by the real teams in the playoffs. Like good for you. And you carry yourself like you're some fucking blue blood. You're a second tier Bush League blue blood. And like there is no team going back to Sam Bradford, going back to Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, this current generation. Stutzman didn't realize Stutzman was such a bag. Don't like Dylan Gabriel. Don't like Drake Stoops. Like, is there a team with a higher percentage of just S tier world class douchebags than, than Oklahoma? And I don't think there is. And the fucking worst part about it is that they have been so good and they have stomped us out the way that we have. And there's nothing we can do about it. We just have to sit there and take it from these fucking douchebags. And it sucks. The, the, th- the thing that I always take solace in is that the Big 12, going back to Mike Leach, has basically taken the approach of, hey, we're going to spread you out. We're going to throw the ball and we're going to stress you 53 yards wide and 100 yards deep. And that has forced Oklahoma to have to build a defense that can defend shifty small guys all over the field. And then when they go play Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, all of those teams line up and go, hey, guess what? I'm about to run the thing down your fucking throat. And yep. they don't have a defense that can do that because they spend 11 games having to chase, you know, Tavon Austin and all these guys, Michael Crabtree, all around the field. And so basically we, the little peasants, you know, in the Big 12 who, who don't ever have a chance, have forced them to have to build a defense that isn't capable of, of playing for a national championship because if they did, they would then lose. You know, if Alabama had to face every single team that's just throwing the ball every single week and just stressing them week after week after week, they're eventually going to falter, right? Well, that's happening happening to Oklahoma. They had to then build defense that had uh, like, oh, we got to have small shifty guys, we got to have all these fast corners, we got to be able to do all this kind of stuff, and then you go play the completely different type of, of offense, and you go, ah, crap, now we can't do anything. So. You want to take some solace in there, at least take, take solace in the fact that the peasants have, have screwed them out of the national championship. We have. We, I mean, that is that, that, you know, it's, it's a good point. I, I will take a little comfort in that. I think it's still, it just irks me though, man, that this is the last time. And like, think how many times we were so close to nipping these guys when we were actually good, right? Like the Tavon game, the Tavon yep. game, we fucking lost to them. We lost, um, the stupid, uh, the 2016 snow globe game where like, I don't know. I mean, you walk into the stadium that night, and it was like a it was a fucking snow globe. It was a magical atmosphere. You oh, thought something awesome game. was going to happen. We fumble a punt inside of three minutes. We fumble two two uh, two fumbles inside the five yard line. It's thirty five nothing before you can even blink, right? And yep. then like the twenty eighteen game, two back scoop and back. score touchdowns, blocking out of back, and like all this shit. And then even even twenty uh, even twenty twenty one, 
Yeah. We're in control of the game. We snap it through. It's just like there's so many times we could have got these guys and we didn't. And now they're yeah. gone and we're probably never going to. I mean, we did get the most important one. Let's let's go ahead and throw that out there. We got him in the in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. That's the yep. most important game that we've played. We won it. Great. Good for us. But like, man, it's just it just pisses me off so bad. And it dude, it hit me um, like mid third. I don't even know because I was I was recycling aggressively at this point. Uh, but like late third quarter, early fourth quarter, where it's like, you know, throughout the day, everything lined up, right? Oklahoma State loses, Kansas loses, all this shit where it's like the the weeds are getting cleared out here. There's a path for us to get to the title game. And it hit me that, fuck, we're giving them the title game. Yep. On the way out of the conference, the title game is going to be Texas and Oklahoma. And I wanted to jump off the stadium and thank God I was on my back patio instead of uh, instead of <laughs> in Norman, Oklahoma, or else some horrible decisions might have been made, you know? And, like, man, it uh, it just... And the fans, dude, the fans chanting SEC like they're big-timing us, it's like, y'all are about to learn next year, dude. Y'all are about to learn. When, you, when you're when you fucking fifth-tier program in the SEC, I cannot wait for the meltdown on Twitter, because these guys suck on Twitter. I cannot ma- wait for the meltdown when they find out that, oh, the SEC West is actually like, it's going to fucking suck for you. Uh, and then, you know, I'm turning on the TV and I'm like, oh, you know, brand recognition. Oh, is that Oklahoma? No, that's Mississippi State. No, that's Alabama. No, that's South Carolina. No, that's Texas A&M. No, you know, like there are seven other fucking maroon and white teams in this conference. Alabama is the premier one, Oklahoma. Okay, so like just, you know, I like the fall from grace, the getting them knocked off of their little ivory tower off of their high horse is going to be... Fucking delicious. I just wish we could have done it one last time. And I'm so pissed that we didn't. I'm so pissed that we didn't. Um, I don't know how much, I mean, how much time do we, like. I don't think we want to spend a lot of time on this. I think everyone knows, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, it, it's a game that, it's a game tape you burn. Neil's already taken the team. They they practiced yesterday. They, they practiced today. You know, he said he was embarrassed. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, you know, there's not much to take about it. It's, Offense was bad. Defense was bad. You know, I had six hundred and fifty yards, fifty nine points. How many? How many less do they get if it was two hand touch on Saturday night? <laughs> Any? Or do they still get six hundred fifty yards and fifty nine points? Um, yeah, the Neil Brown stuff. Um, I think he said borderline embarrassed, which I was like, dude, you can just go ahead and say embarrassed. Like I was embarrassed. I was pissed off. You can you yeah. can just go ahead and say that stuff. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I thought. Uh, in the post game, he said the game got away from us in the first quarter, which is like, <laughs> that's, yeah. kind of a, that's kind of a funny comment to make. Right. And then uh, the, the one thing that I thought he said is like, we didn't make enough competitive plays. And, and I thought that was actually like, um, aside from him bitching about the Garrett Green thing, where he's like, how do we have a nationally televised game? And we don't have a goal line angle because Garrett Green got in, but we don't need to, to waste time on that. But we didn't make enough competitive plays. It really did feel like, especially defensively. Everybody was looking at each other, like waiting for somebody else to make the play, right? Like that's the yeah. game, that's the kind of game, and and nobody ever did, and th- we didn't even make it fucking hard on him. Um, I don't know if you want to do, do you want to do a little bit on Leslie, or if we want to just get into Neil, or I'll let, 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 I see the floor talk, to you. All right, let's talk about Leslie, and, and so I'll, uh, I'll I'll take the, the torch or, or whatever you know metaphor we want to come up with here. You know, I've been kind of banging the drum here that Leslie has not been as good as people say, think, write, whatever, for, you know, since he took over. Um, you know, I looked at it after in 2021, and, I, and my analogy has always just been, 
his defense is a big block or a big wall, right? It gets in the way. It kind of, it makes things difficult for people at times, but as soon as you scale it or as soon as you get over it, it's like the floodgates open. You just, you know, some teams are faster up the wall. Some teams find a way around the wall. Some teams, they have, you know, they have siege equipment, you know, yeah, they have siege you equipment, know, right? You know, yeah. some team, some team, you know, sometimes we bring oil or, or lube or something and we knock them off the wall. But generally speaking, we don't do a lot <laughs> to make it tough. We're just like, we're this big thing that you got to get around. Some teams don't have the equipment. You know, the ladders are only eight feet tall when they needed a 12 foot tall ladder. Some teams, you know, the ladder broke or whatever, but like, it's not like it was hard to get through. It was just like, maybe they didn't have the equipment. There was nothing that we ever did that felt like we are affecting games. Now, the start of this year, you and I both said, man, why don't we start blitzing, man? Why don't we start sending Hershey off the edge? Why don't we just tell Koba, hey, dude, go what? Be Bobby Boucher. See ball, go get ball, right? Like, I don't want you doing anything else. I certainly don't want you in coverage. Just see ball, go get ball. And for a little bit there, it seemed like that was exactly what we were going to do. We were going to be the team that said, look, we're going to drag you into the mud. We're going to give you a rock, and you're going to get the small rock. We're going to get the big rock the big rock here, you know, and we're just going to beat you to death with these rocks and it's not going to be fun, but we're going to win. You know, we all kind of complained and, you know, wins are wins, but it certainly wasn't fun or glamorous to watch, but at least it was something, right? It was an identity. You could do something. And then all of a sudden it was like, we ran out of rocks. So now let's go get in the airplane and we forgot how to do anything defensively. And I just... I want an identity. Now, granted, my, my personal preference on identity has always been I want to play man, I want to blitz, and if you can beat me when I'm putting my hands on you and I'm roughing your receivers up and you know I'm, I'm hitting you guys two, three yards after the ball and smacking you around, then good for you. But by God, I'm going to make you regret playing us every single game. You're going to come into the game knowing that you're going to get hit every time you touch the ball. You're going to have, you're not going to get free releases off the line. Your receivers are going to have to fight tooth and nail to get every yard. And every time you cross the line of scrimmage, three guys are smacking you in the face. You might beat us. And there might be a game or two where, you know, Samaji P. Ryan runs for 250 yards. And in the fourth quarter, we just don't want to tackle you because it hurts. And after a while, it, it, it got tiring. By God, you're going to remember playing us. Right. You know, we're going to be that team that's just like, we're bringing a lunch pail. We're going to hit you with the lunch pail. I'm going to hit you with the, the thermos. I'm going to hit you with a piece of coal. I'm going to take my shoe off and hit you. I'm, we're going to be a team that you're going to regret playing every single week. And we just aren't. Like, there's just nothing on this defense. There's nothing that makes you go, I want to be proud of this defense. Right. And that, that's who we are as, as a team. That's who we are as a state. That's who we are as a people. Like, you think about the Steelers. You think about anything in this area. We are like tough minded people. And they're just like, you look at the defense and you just go, yeah, they, okay. <laughs> I was, I was uh, actually, I was completely okay with the fight after that touchdown, after the Anthony Wilson uh, quote unquote targeting call, just cause it's like, okay, at least, okay. Like we care. We have a little bit, we have enough of a pulse that we're going to fight after a touchdown after it's whatever that was 40 something to, uh, you know, 14. Um, cause we sure shit didn't put up a fight, you know, it, Man, it, there were there were so many like almost plays, right? Like first mm-hmm. drive, we get him in third down, and Marcus Floyd gets in on Dylan Gabriel, doesn't make the play. Gabriel extends the play, throws it to tight end down the sideline. They get a first down, right? And then and then off to the races there. Um, there was a fourth down at one point in the second quarter where Anthony Wilson was covering the tight end on a crossing route, and like 
Gabriel threw it behind behind the tight end, and and uh, Wilson's trailing him, and like did not didn't knock it down, didn't do anything. Like, and it's just, man. I mean, you look at. I think I think the the dis, the disconnect with um with with the defense is like we we did we tried to blitz him a little bit, but like we're not up on these receivers, man. Like it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other. We're like, okay, we're up on them, but then we don't want to get beat deep, so we're still six yards off these guys. They get free releases. Like the touchdown, Aubrey Burks, uh, Drake Stoops, I don't know, what was his fifth or sixth touchdown that he scored? Um, just like an uncontested like 10-yard out route in the end zone because oh, we're, yeah. we're 15 fucking yards off. And like, you know, so okay, so we don't have the athletes to like completely man up on these guys, but then, um, you know, uh, tra- trademark here, uh, Jordan Leslie and, and Neil Brown, our guys can't hit their landmarks in, in zone coverage either. And so, like, I, I honestly, I mean, part of me feels bad because it's like, what do you do, right? Like, we can't man up on people. We can't play in zones. So, like, what is left? Um, yep. And I don't know. I mean, I think, it, like, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, at a certain point, like, you just have to say, hey, the big plays are happening anyway. All this shit's happening anyways. We might as well try and cause a little chaos along the way, right? Like, there are very few, and now granted, Dylan Gabriel is one of the very few quarterbacks in college football who can handle that shit, keep his keep his head cool, get away, and make a play, right? So, you know, whatever there. But, like, um, there aren't many college quarterbacks who can handle that. Like, I mean, you look at this, like what we did against Houston, and now granted, Lathan's hurt, and I think we're going to look back at this year, and, and hopefully Lathan's career here, hopefully he doesn't, you know, leave or anything like that. And it's going to be like, man, like losing that guy really fucked us in 2023, right? Because that's 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 the point of delineation with our defense. That guy gets hurt in the third quarter against TCU, and we have not looked the same since. Um, Aubrey Burks gets hurt in the same game, so we don't have either of them for Houston. But like, that's when this soft ass bullshit started. If you look at Houston since then, have they haven't even scored over 30 points since we played them? Um. I'm I'm gonna I'm throwing that out there and I and I'm not that's not confirmed but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that, that they haven't confirmed they, it's confirmed okay I was gonna say I don't think they've been over thirty and 14. 14 last week yeah and so it's like we make this dude look like a fuck there are there are not a whole lot of quarterbacks at the power five level where if you give them five seconds to find somebody can't find somebody and and that's just my opinion if you give them two seconds. There, the the list is a whole lot smaller of guys who can either find somebody or make something happen out of that. And so, you know, I mean, in in light of our <laughs> like where we are as a defense, like right, why not just fucking throw the kitchen sink at everybody? But okay. um, I mean, you know, and I guess my bigger thing on on Leslie and the defense is that he came in in 2020, and yeah, I'll, I'll give him COVID, or yeah, came in in 2020, I'll give him COVID. But he had the Stills brothers, right? And that, that year, that defense was great. That was like the number two defense in the nation or something like that. And if you just look at what, they, what the defense has done every single year, it's just regressed. It's gotten worse yep. every single year. Good defensive coordinators are going to be in the same general area, right? You're going to be 20th. You're going to be 30th. You're going to be 15th. You're going to kind of be around. This is what our defense is going to be, right? We're going to do certain things. Um, I started talking about it on the Discord, which was like, hey, did you guys know that we're like minus 21 in turnover margin since Neil took over and we've only had one year where we were uh, 
positive, and I'll have to go back and look. I'm not sure. I know that we were at that point, we were under, we were negative, and we so we kind of had this run of like, oh my god, we we had like four turnovers, we had like uh, four interceptions or whatever, you know. So we we kind of built it back up, but even then we were only like plus one or plus two on the entire season, and well, we're I just, still like minus seventeen in the entire thing, and that just that goes to Leslie and and this inability to do anything that generates turnovers. You know, you and I talk about it all the time. The havoc. You know, you're either you're either picking the ball off, you're, you're ripping fumbles away, you're you're getting sacks, you're you're hurrying the quarterback, and we just we don't do any of that. It's just kind of like, hey, we're just going to make you go four yards and tackle you. Guess what? If you tackle everyone after four four and a half yards, they get a first down, right? Like like you don't do anything. They just march down the field, and that's what it feels like with this team. Is that it might be tough to like get those yards, but you're getting the yards, and you just kind of find it. And then we start finding like, hey, if you want to throw the ball, well, that's easy. Like you and I can go out there and look like all star quarterbacks and go and go make you know all day twelve if we if we go on this defense every week. I mean, against a three-man rush, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could, I, I could, I could find some completions out there. You know, I'm, I'm not super mobile at this point in my life, but kids, kids' arms still pretty live. You know, I'm still slinging around at the tailgate or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I, I think the, the turnover thing, like our best year under Leslie and, and Brown, is like I think we have one more takeaway forced than the worst year under Gibby. So, you know. Like that's just, and Gibby was one of those guys where it's like, you know, we're going to get beat every now and then, but I mean, we had, we, we were in the mid twenties and takeaways, you know, we were second or third in the country one year in takeaways, like 30 plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gibby had two years. He had the 15 and 16 year where we generated almost 60 takeaways. We generated yeah. like 35 and 24 or something. Yeah. Something fucking crazy. crazy. Fucking crazy. All right, so um, Leslie, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a combination of, of shit coaching and, and you know, we're, we're pretty hurt, so the players we're throwing out there in a lot of spots are pretty shitty, and I think they're just getting taken advantage of. But um, let's quickly do a little bit on Neil and then get into the recap. You know, my, my take on Neil is, is the ceiling, man, and I'm a staunch of a Neil supporter. You know, we're, we're, we're the kings of shit mountain, right? And that's not a crown anybody wants to have. And... We we better win out at this point, um, you know. And I'm like, I, I, I'm way more hesitant than you, and I know a lot of folks are to 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 fire Neil um, because of what we could possibly bring back, right? Like, there's a lot of folks coming back from. If we go eight and four, and we're bringing back 18 starters, like that's that's a team that I can probably get behind, right? But I cannot fault at this point. You can't fault the Neil out crowd, um, because it's been five years of this shit. And every time we've had a chance to prove it, we failed, right? Like, when have we ever punched above our weight, right? Like, even this year, right? It, it, you know, it, it, go out and be competitive. We were competitive for three quarters against Penn State. Great. Um, we, we lose to Houston on the road. Like, a game we have no excuse losing. The Oklahoma State, in, in the Oklahoma State game, I have a hard time putting on them. It's like such a fluky fucking thing 28 points man you can't give up 28 points can't give up 28 points in the fourth quarter and then this game where again we're 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 double digit underdogs but the matchup's not that bad the matchup really was not that bad we just and and we get fucking run off the field again and you know dude there are there are programs that haven't gotten beat by what do we get beat by 39 39 there are there are programs where 
people have lived and died their entire lives and have never seen their team get beat by 30 points. And it's happened to us three times in the last two years. And, you know, and I don't know what else to say about it at this point. And it just feels, you know, you better fucking win out or you're going to get fired is really how I feel. Because if we lose to Cincinnati or Baylor, these teams suck. If we lose to either of these teams, I, I, I can't be in anymore. And I love Neil Brown as much as anybody. Go ahead. So, you know, I, I think there are a few things here. So, you know, the one thing with Neil ha- has always just been, and it's always been my kind of my biggest frustration is just the, like, there's no, I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to step on your throat. I'm going to make you regret. You know, and I kind of talk about that. You kind of hear just, you know, the person I am and, and, and kind of what I want out of my team is, you know, I want a team that, that is going to make you regret playing them. You're going to regret playing them defensively. That you're going to hurt. And when you even when we offens- lose, yeah, even when and, we lose, yep. And when we play you offensively, you know, we're we're going to we're going to make you play our game. And you know, if we sense blood, we're going to be sharks, right? We're going to go out here, and, and we're not going to win by seven. We're going to win by twenty-one. We're going to keep scoring. And I, th- there's always been, a, you know, up until kind of we got to Houston, there was this need to be a, hey, we're going to get the ball, and we're going to get a lead. And then we're going to sit on it. We're going to be this like really conservative. We're going to grind you out because that's how he won at Troy. When he got to Troy, you know, he beat LSU, he beat Nebraska, and he almost beat Clemson by essentially going, we're going to play perfect and we're going to make you screw up. And so we're going to stay in the game and we're going to find a way to be close in the fourth quarter. And you, this is not a conference you can be close in the fourth quarter. You are close in the fourth quarter. The other team is going to just find. You're asking for it. Yeah, you know, and I would argue that's how you win at Troy. That is how you win when you are an underdog. That's how Appalachian State won and beat Michigan. They kept it close and found a way in the fourth quarter, right? You know, all of a sudden, when when you're the underdog, there's no pressure. If you lose in the fourth quarter, screw it. Like, you were close. Like, hey, it was a great – you almost made it. You made it competitive, right? But if you're the the top dog, if you're the guy who's who's fighting for that stuff, all of a sudden it's like, man – you start getting tight. You and I both know you start getting tight, especially in football, and start trying to make plays, you don't make plays, right? You start trying to force that throw. I, I talk about it all the time with my kids pitching. You're sitting there trying to make the perfect pitch. If you start trying to throw darts when you're pitching, you ain't going to make it. That thing's going to be so far away from what you're trying to do. And that's what I feel like Neil has done is everything has to be perfect. You hear it every time we lose, they weren't getting to their landmarks. They did something we, we didn't expect. You know, guys weren't fitting the run. They didn't do what we taught them. And, and, in the first year, in the second we practice, year, like, we practice that three times a week. Right. You know, the first year and the second year, okay, fine. You're a new coach. You're trying to teach them new schemes. you got players. Like, at this point, why are you still not getting across to these kids? Why are they still not getting it? You know, it, it can't always be the Jimmies and Joes. If you continue to have a Jimmies and Joes problem after five years, whose responsibility is it to bring in the Jimmies and Joes? You know, whose responsibility is it to make the X's and O's? Like, at what point is it your fault for not getting these guys ready? Is it your fault for not putting a scheme in place that finds a way to win? You know, at what point do we start finding a way to get either our scheme, our players, our talent above where we're at? Every coach we've had for the last 40 years has recruited around the same level. We've always been around, you know, give or take. 35th, 40th, somewhere in that area, right? We were always comparable to the teams we were playing. When we were in the Big East, we, you know, our level of talent was significantly better than everyone as a whole. But when we played Louisville, when we would, when we would play Cincinnati at times, when we would play South Florida, 
they were comparable, right? It was going to be which team could make a play. We had schemes and we had talent that would make plays. When Dana got here, generally speaking, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, you know, Kansas State, you know, those guys, those are going to be your comparable teams. And the talent's going to be the same. You know, they might have a better cornerback. You might have a better receiver. They might have a better left guard. You might have a better center. But you're going to have to find a scheme and a way to get guys open, to put things in there. And it just always feels like we're, we're trying to be this, man, we don't have anybody that, that can really play, so we need to be perfect, and we're going to try and keep this thing close in the fourth quarter. And you just – you can't. You just can't at this level. You know, I ask you, five years in, 59 games, right? We're – what are we? We are 28 and 29. What is our best win? What is the, not the best win, I take that back, not the best win. What is the signature win in Brown's career? Yeah, I think, so this is the last the last thing we should probably say, and then we, we should move on to the recap. But I, I think Joel made the point in our uh, in our channel today. His best win is still LSU at Troy. <laughs> Which is the most depressing thing that I've ever read in my life, and sadly he's right. And yeah, it, it fucking sucks. It sucks. Um, it really does suck. All right, I think I mean we're we're like we're almost a half hour in. We gotta we gotta yep. get to the recap here. <laughs> but, yep. uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's brutal. It's a brutal. It's a brutal thing. Um, hey, men's basketball lost to Monmouth, and and men's soccer lost to uh, Marshall in soccer. So, um, you know, really a really good weekend all around. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's get into the Big Twelve recap here. So, uh, early games. Texas Tech 16, Kansas 13. Uh, I don't know if you watched this one. Tough one for Kansas, man. Uh, Bean got hurt in the second quarter. Um, they battle it out. They score with under a minute to go um, to tie it up. And so you you think it's going to go to overtime. And then Texas Tech goes like 70 yards in three plays and, and gets into field goal range and nails the knockoff with under 10 seconds to go. And so Kansas, out of the Big 12 title race, did you watch any of this one? I caught the very, very end of yeah. it. I saw I saw Texas Tech go down the field and just thought, "Holy cow, they're about to do it!" You know, um, it was it was so easy. It was very, very was, easy. You, you talked about it. You touched on it at the at the early. I I I've got it. I had an article written where I was going to say like, "This is what we need. This is what needs to happen, or this is how we can get into the title game, assuming that we beat Oklahoma." And the first thing was like, we needed we needed people to lose, right? And you, one of them was you needed Kansas to lose. You, you really wanted to get into a place where you were in a tie with Texas, because if you got into a tie with Texas, the tiebreaker was going to be your win over Oklahoma. And like hey, it started, I you know I watched that and I just went, okay. I know you, you know. start rubbing your hands. You start uh, rubbing yeah. your hands. Yeah, you kind of like, okay, hey, that first one's here. Let's keep going. All right. Other early game, Kansas State 59, Baylor 25. Uh, did not watch this, went as expected. Love to see 3-7 and seven Baylor putting up a slightly better fight uh, against Kansas State than we did. Um, yeah, I, I texted a buddy. I said, it's 24-7 and still in the first quarter. This is going to get ugly. Turned it on, and it was, oh, man, it's a bloodbath. Yeah, this is not good. <laughs> and that was about it. Nope. Um, UCF 45? Oklahoma State three. Let me rub my hold on. Let me rub my glasses real quick. I, I'm not wearing glasses, but dude, this was to me. This was every single one of Oklahoma State's chickens coming home to roost. Um, they had been even in our game, dude. You look at some of the fucking turnovers. The Cole Taylor fumble that bounced right up into their defenders thing, and then the stupid punt return thing. Um, 
all of that shit swung against them. It was a monsoon in central Florida. It was 14 to nothing. I turned the game on at the nine minute mark of the first quarter. It was already 14, nothing. And uh, they never looked back. It only got worse. And every single tip ball from Oklahoma state seemed like it got intercepted. And yep. UCF was doing explosive. It was the best version of John Reese Plumley. We got the worst version of John Reese Plumley, and just a wholesale ass whipping. Um, the only result this weekend that I think was worse uh, than ours is the, is this one here. So yeah, I, I think I turned it on uh, midway through the second, and all I see is just this hurricane monsoon pouring down. <laughs> it's awful. UCF up by like thirty points at that point, and my buddy asked me like, "What the heck happened?" And I just I quickly looked at the box score, and I'm like, "Oh." UCF reversed what they, they pulled the Uno reversal, you know, yeah. where John, John Reese probably just kept throwing the ball to us. Alan Bowman just kept throwing it to UCF. And that was it wasn't even, it actually, it wasn't even that it was like Alan Bowman throwing the thing to his receivers. And, and because they're playing in a hurricane, like the ball skipped off their hands and then straight to use. It was like, I mean, it was even, it was even worse. It was even it, worse than that. It, it, it was, was the awful. West Virginia interceptions, you know, times 10. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of hilarious, uh, you know, considering. Um, but uh, all right, so then we have uh, we have Cincy twenty four, Houston fourteen. I did not watch. Uh, this is only noteworthy to me because Cincinnati, who we play this week, held Houston to uh, almost thirty fewer points than us. So, yeah. I, again, I didn't watch it either. You okay. know, it just again, just we gave up forty one. Houston, which and Cincinnati held them to fourteen. Looks awful. Um, Texas twenty nine, TCU twenty six. Thought this was going to be the trap game uh, of the weekend. Um, was really hoping it was going to be the trap game just to get Texas maybe you know in in a little bit of threat of of not making the title game, but they handled business. Um, I watched a little bit of this. They were in control most of the game. Um, TCU making it close was a thing that happened late in the game. Um, Texas was Texas was in control of this game. Yeah, I was um, say, I turned it on at one point, and, and Texas was up pretty big, and I, and yeah. I was a little disappointed because there was again, this was another one. You needed Texas to lose. You really wanted Texas to be with you uh, in that two spot for for the conference title game, and, and you know turned it on, and it was like, oh, well, that's not going to happen. Yep. Um, so we'll just have to guess. They play. They play Iowa State in Ames uh, next Saturday night. So we'll just have to hope it gets a little weird for him there. Um, Then the last game, Iowa State 45, BYU 13. Um, Thought this was a statement win. 10, 15 p.m. kickoff in Provo. Um, Can get a little weird in Provo. Provo is not unlike Ames in that way, but Iowa State took care of business, man. So they're only six and four, but are very quietly. They're one of the four teams that are five and two in the conference. So Iowa State playing some good football. Rocco backed. Can't wait to see him in the old gold and blue here in two years. Um, after Nico transfers away and and we pull him in, it's gonna be it's gonna be outstanding. I, I really can't wait. Uh, under I, I, the only <laughs> thing I can ever say about Iowa State is you, you look at them under Matt Campbell and they've been you know better than they've ever been, right? Yep. And how in the world do you continue to lose to Iowa who can't score? <laughs> I don't know, man. I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, so that's the recap. Let's get to some Discord Q&A here. Uh, successful segment last week. We're going to try and go through it quickly here because, I mean, you know, this podcast is going to be two hours before it's all said and done. But uh, we're going to start the first question that we got from Darugi. Why is all WVU sports just pain? I don't know. I really don't know. 
There is not another thing, not another entity in my life that treats me as poorly as West Virginia does, and I just keep coming back for more. Jake, thoughts? If, if I had an answer, man, I, yeah. I certainly wouldn't be a West Virginia fan. Like, you know, yep. it, it's hope. Like, it, it's, the, it's the hope to kill Charlie you. Brown. We're, we're Charlie Brown and, and everything else is Lucy. The hope that kills you. The better question is why the fuck do we all keep watching? Um, <laughs> how angry are you that we look pathetic against Oklahoma? Also, does Jimbo affect Neil Brown's status? Um, I think we covered the, the, the Oklahoma thing. Like, I'm really pissed off about it. And I think, yes, I think, yes, the Jimbo news does affect Neil Brown. Um, I don't know how much I'm not, I'm not that plugged in. I'm not, I'm not an insider guy, but I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at a a, Jimbo is one of the 10, 10 biggest names, head coaching names in college football still. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I I would say this, I would say if Jimbo wants to come here for what Neil coaches for for four four and a half million i think it's a very you know that's a conversation that you start having i would the only reason i'm really interested in jimbo is i think it would put to rest how good you can recruit at west virginia if he comes in here and he's still recruiting at 30 35 i think it proves right then and there you're just never going to get the recruits he comes in here and starts pulling 20 top 25 top 20 classes all of a sudden there's an argument to be made that hey there's a path to it. It's probably hard. You probably need a big name and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think it's one of those where he needs to come in. He needs to take that 75 million, pay the buyout, pay, you know, pay me and you like all of a sudden he needs to get the musket, you know, credentialed and, and then coach for $2 million. All right. From, uh, so that last question was from night six, seven, six, this one from Jord. Y'all get new mics yet? No, I did not. I'm still on my old snowball. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next one from uh, irrational internet sensation, irrational. How do we fix the secondary? I don't I get better players. I really, I don't know. Um, new scheme, new talent, new scheme, new talent. Yeah. I mean like either, either help these dudes out, get them up on people and start rerouting and blitzing a little bit more, like try and reduce the amount of time that these fucking quarterbacks have to, to find open people or uh, yeah, just get better players. I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, Beanie Bishop's good, but all right. From idiosync, why is our alma mater curses to live a life of everlasting torment? Uh, we are. We already answered this one. We don't. We don't know. Um, <laughs> from Semper Montani, given the opportunity, would you rather launch Gordon McGee into the moon without life support or trap him in a barbecue smoker? Um, Definitely launch him to the moon. I don't think he'd taste good, right? And the only reason I would waste my my charcoal in a smoker. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only 
Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And my wood pellets is if I was planning to eat them. And I don't think there's not a whole lot of meat on that bone at this point. I don't know. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really don't like to clean up in general. I certainly don't want to have to clean that up. <laughs> okay. um, Saxo Steve with Jimbo fired. How long until we tire, get tired? Get tired of the, uh, the rumors and wish. I don't know how long till we get tired. Um, but they're, I mean, they happened the second that he got fired. Um, yeah. from, from Slaw, is our offensive line good or not? This is low key the best question. I don't know, dude. Like, I have no fucking clue. Um, we've pushed yeah. some teams around, but we're playing we're playing heavy boxes every week because p- teams know we want to run. But every time we play a good defensive line, it kind of feels like we get fucking pushed around. So I, I, I don't know. So, so you know, I, I listened to Tony Caridi on, on three guys, and the thing that he said that I really liked was, if this line is good, they can't have a bad game. They don't have to have a great game every week. They just can't have a bad game. Yeah. I, I think that answers your question. They had a bad game last week. So. I had a bad game, dude. They got they got their asses kicked last week. They got their asses kicked last week. So, I don't know. I mean, they're good. They're not great, is what I would say. Yeah. Um, Master of Awesomeness, what would you do and what should happen if, man, this is why it's like, you know, hopefully Ren Baker, I mean, he's being well compensated. But what would you do if Neil goes 9-4 and four and Jimbo's interested? Um, I don't, I, yeah, it's a conversation. I don't think you can fire. Like, I don't know if we're in the position of being able to fire somebody who wins eight games. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, mean, know. I get it. I certainly get it. I, I will say, I don't think it happens, but if you're asking me what I do, I have the conversation. Now, Jimbo wants $15 million. Sorry. Sure. That's, that's a big part of it, right? Like, do you want, do you want your Texas A&M salary or do you want five? Right. Do you want half? Yeah. Right. And if he wants half, then yeah, you have a conversation. Um, from, <clears throat> I don't know. I've never heard of this guy from WVU Knight. I don't know who that is. Um, Green, can we expect better in 2024? Do you start a competition? Um, I think you can expect, I mean, I'm, I'm the guy driving the fucking bandwagon for Garrett Green, right? So I don't know if I'm the right guy to ask. I don't think it's a closed competition, right? Like if Nico looks, if Nico turns the corner next next spring, I don't think you can say that Garrett's a definite starter. But, like, the other side of that is that in all but the Oklahoma game this year, Garrett has looked like an all-conference player, right? So, like, can you really I think there's a way to win with Garrett. I think my, the, the big thing with this is can he get the 57 58%? Yeah. He he's got to. He's got to start hitting, dude. He misses. The deep balls look good. You got to start hitting some of these fucking layups, man. I mean, we had, I don't know, five five passes that would have either extended drives or possibly even scored touchdowns. 
like the the deep post to EJ Horton, it was either in the first or second quarter, and missed him by ten yards. Um, it was one I can't even remember where it was earlier in the game, but um, kind of a scramble drill thing, right? Like he's in the pocket, then he scrambles, and Jaheim White is wanting a little flat route and sees him scrambling and turns it upfield and just fucking smokes Stutzman, and um. Green threw it like six yards short of him. And it's one of those things. And you see Jaheim White is just like, oh, my God. You know, where, like, if he puts that on him in stride, like, is that a touchdown? I don't know. I mean, because we never got a good replay of it. But, like. This is the question for Neil. Like, Howard in 2015 was 3,100 yards, 54% completion. 2016, he was 3,300 yards and 61%. That's what we need. Can't, That's all we can need. Can you get that jump? Because we haven't seen it. So Hire far. a real fucking quarterback coach. Um, not to go back to Oklahoma, it really pissed me off, the commentators talking about how well Oklahoma's defense is executing when we're just missing wide-open guys all over the field. It's like, oh, did they execute really well on uh, on the on the trail and Ray play where we threw a screen into their blitz and Garrett just missed the screen? And literally, they're showing the replay from behind, and all you can see on the whole screen is, is Traylon Ray and three offensive linemen. That's that's the only people in the whole fucking frame, right? Was that well executed by Oklahoma, or, or did we fuck up? Tell me. Anyways, um, all right, where were we here? Um, I think we can... So anyway, sorry, to answer your question, Jake, Night Stare, um, I think we can expect better. I, I'm, I'm expecting and hoping for better. Uh, from Cool Hand, what came first, the Neil, the Neil Brown bubble screen or the Neil Brown tunnel screen? It's chicken and egg conversation. I don't know. I don't know if there's a right answer. Tunnel screen. That's all we ran in 19. <laughs> you know what's so funny is like we got all the way away from – I don't think we ran one screen in like all of October. And then since UCF, it's been back in the playbook for some reason. And uh, with mixed success. Been okay yep. sometimes. Been pretty shitty sometimes. So, um, all right. We got a couple more here. Whoops. Go ahead. Nope. I'm good. Oh, sorry. Um, from Snooter, we've looked lost against the only two good teams on our schedule this year. How much of that is coaching versus injuries execution? Uh, yes, is the answer there. I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, there's very clearly a talent gap, and I, I felt like we were too respectful against Penn State. You know, we didn't we didn't try and kind of play the way that we've played since uh, since uh, Garrett Green came back from the injury. Um, but then. I mean, the you know, you can't discount the injuries in execution. Like, we have Caden Beiser playing significant snaps. Like, that's never meant to be a thing. Um, Garrett Green's missing passes, right? Like, I mean, with the Oklahoma thing, we, we really – we just picked a, a, a bad spot to play our worst game of the season on both sides of the ball, um, which is what yep. happened. Um, does Jimbo Fisher from Clarence Ovois, does Jimbo Fisher like movies about gladiators? Uh, who doesn't? I assume he does. If you're not a really Scott fan, man, don't don't come talk to me. Yep. Another question from Clarence Ovoir. Less talking, or sorry, less question than a prompt. Talk the fans out of replacing Neil Brown with Jimbo Fisher. What are the best arguments? So here, the, the argument is that Jimbo Fisher has rec- had a top five recruiting class, top ten recruiting class for the last like five years, or for as long as he's been at um, Texas A&M, and has never made any significant noise. And I think. You know, the, the counter to that is you could probably do more with a worse recruiting class at West Virginia because the competition, like the SEC West, is is literally 
um, fucking, you know, Bastogne, Normandy, 1944. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really, that's really the only thing is just that like he's had, he's had all the talent in the world and, you know, hasn't super produced with it recently. Um, anything, anything from you, Jake? I, I think that's it. I mean, there, there's reasons to, to have the conversation, but, you know, ultimately he's had, it's not like he hasn't had the players. He's had the players to compete and he hasn't. So yep. you're looking for a reason not to. That's it. Yep. Um, two more from Bubby Franklin. Will Emery Jones boom us next week. We'll talk about that here in a second. And what is the best way to approach a 2.30 p.m. kick? Treat as noon and do brunch booze or drink a zillion beers? Always my answer is going to be drink a zillion beers, Jake. Thoughts? Drink and have a ton of snacks, man. Yeah. As many beers as you can drink is how many you should drink. That's right. Um, Last question, Rocky Mountaineer. Talk about strength of schedule. Um, What about the strength of the schedule of the teams we beat? I don't know. I mean, I, I like last week we were kind of talking about. It. I don't feel like we're any more full. We're, we're the kings of shit mountain, right? Like we we've beaten most of the teams we should beat. We've lost to one that we shouldn't, and then three that probably tough. I figure most of the team. The Big Twelve is a fucking quagmire, man, and and it really just is. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately this is a lot like the 2016 schedule. You know, we won ten games. No one was complaining that we won ten games. We all kind of knew that that was a Hey, the Big Twelve was down, but you, you take the you take the cards when you get them, right? No one complains when you get dealt two aces when, when you're playing poker. So right. take it when you get it. Um, I I think in terms of the overall schedule, it's obviously it's not the strongest schedule we've ever faced. It's strong. It's still stronger than what we faced when we were winning eleven games in the Big East, but it's sure. not the strongest Big Twelve schedule. Um, I think the biggest frustration for a lot of people is just using this as a reason to keep Neil. And yeah. that's a different conversation. You know, on a whole, great season. We're probably going to win eight games. We're going to a much better bowl. We're not going to a six and six bowl. We're going, you know, fingers crossed, we're going to the Liberty Bowl or we're going to Ken Kendrick Stadium. We're going to go to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl or whatever they call it. Um, you know, you know, you hope for a good game, go have some fun, whatever, send the seniors out with uh, some fun, some bling, since not many of them have had, had it. Um, but not the, not the hardest schedule. And I don't think I don't think you're saying anything if you say that. Yep. All right. That's it for questions. As always, appreciate them. Keep them coming next week. Um, let's get into the precap and the 12. It is a it is a weird uh, Big 12 slate this week. There is one game at every time slot, and that is it. Um, so at 12 p.m., we have Oklahoma going to BYU. Oklahoma, 24.5-point favorites. Um, if, if they don't beat BYU by at least 39 points, I'm going to be mad. Yeah, same, same. All right, well said. 3.30 p.m. <laughs> 3.30 p.m. time slot. We have Baylor at TCU. TCU, 12.5-point favorites at home. Uh, I expect them to cover that. I think Baylor is just tremendously shitty. Um, yeah, it, uh, whatever TCU does, we ought to double. Like Baylor is so bad that our, our line should be 20. Bookmark it. Okay. All right, then at 4 p.m., we have Oklahoma State traveling to Houston uh, Oklahoma State seven and a half point favorites. I don't have a great feel for this game. Dana is so fucking high variance, and Oklahoma State looked so bad last week. I, I really, I don't know. This is a game that Dana could pull something out of and yes. win. It is also a game that Ollie Gordon could run for four hundred yards and beat them like Kansas State. Yep. 
here's what I'll say is if you want to bet on th- this money line is not a bad money line to throw into a parlay, right? Cause they're only getting seven and a half points. I, I want to say the money line is like minus two forty or something. So if you're packaging this with a couple other of teams where you, you're pretty sure they're going to win, not, not a bad one to throw into a parlay at 5. PM. We have UCF going to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. Texas Tech only three and a half point favorites, which I was kind of surprised, surprised by. by but UCF frisky, Texas, man. I, UCF has the talent to keep uh, to keep up with them. I'm just you know you're traveling almost two time slot two time zones there. You're going all the way to Lubbock. It's we all know what happens in Lubbock. It's a weird place to play. It's weird yeah, that shit. very well could be the the win game from 2012. Win game. Um, if you're looking at this game, Taj Brooks over rushing yards, prop bet. Uh, co-signed. Um, 7 p.m. We have Kansas State. More than a touchdown favorite heading to Lawrence. Um, Kansas State seven and a half point favorites in, at Kansas. What are your uh, What are your thoughts here? I'm actually excited for this game, which is weird to say, right? How many times are you, are you talking about the, the Sunflower State or the Wildflower State or wherever the hell it, it is? Um, but I think that's a, I thought it would be a really good game. You know, I'm actually curious to see what Kansas can do. You know, can you make it a game and get yourself in? Or is K-State going to be the, you know, the old K-State nemesis that they always are? For sure. I'm. I'm you know what I'm excited about is that we're probably going to get to watch it. Right? <laughs> seven, seven o'clock. We have a, we have a two 30 kick We're we're, should be able to watch it if you yep. haven't. If you haven't moonshined yourself to oblivion, uh, you should be able to watch this game. And then uh, rounding things out, nightcapper, eight p.m. Texas, eight and a half point favorites, going to Ames to play the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, this is <laughs> wear the black and ruin a season. Yes, yes, ruin Texas's season, please, please, and thank you. Like Cyclone Bros, we, we, you know, we don't ask a whole lot of you. We haven't gotten to interact as much as I would have wanted to this year just because we didn't play. I uh, really missed that, by the way. Um, but, yeah, if ever there was a time to ruin somebody's season, uh, the, the, this is it. So Rocco Becht, again, future Mountaineer uh, legend Rocco Becht, you know, do what you do, buddy. Um, any last thoughts on the uh, precap? Nope, I, I think the early slate's going to be bad. The, the late slate ought to be fun. So <clears throat> that brings us to a 2.30 p.m. pillow fight on ESPN Plus featuring the 6-4 and four West Virginia Mountaineers against the 3-7 and seven Cincinnati Bearcats. A, a, an old Big East rivalry here, right? We're waking up the echoes. Uh, really just a, just a storied historic rival, uh, rivalry. Um, West Virginia, six and a half point favorites. The money line were minus two fifty five. So if you want to package us and Oklahoma State, you know, you're you're looking at you're looking at the start at the start of something there. Over under fifty five and a half. Um hi, man, it's it's been a tough a tough year one in the Big Twelve. I mean, as expected, right? I think they were picked down there in the 12, 13, 14 range with us. Um, but since that, they've really had a rough go of it. They're three and seven. They're one of two, three and seven teams along with Baylor. But, you know, you, you look at this schedule, you look at who they've played and the schedule's not insane. It's not any, any harder than ours, but they're one and four in one score games. Right. And they've lost to Baylor by three UCF by two. You know, this is, this is not a good team, but I do wonder if like, Maybe they're a little bit re- better than their than their record indicates. What are your What are your thoughts? Have you seen much Cincinnati this year? I, 
you know, it, it's weird out of all the teams that, that were coming into the Big 12, they were one that I thought, I didn't think they would be good, but I thought they would be a tough out, right? You know, I thought they would just kind of be that team that, like, you know, we're going to beat them, but we might beat them 27-21. We might beat them 27-17, but it's going to be a late score. You know, I thought Houston would probably be the worst of the four. Um, I, I figured all the travel hoping, be, hoping, right, <laughs> hoping they'd be worse. Um, I figured all the travel for BYU would would probably play a factor. I didn't think, honestly, I'm I'm a little surprised by UCF, but you know, when you've got a good offense, that things happen. Um, so yeah, I don't think Cincinnati's bad, but they're they're a little bit worse than what I thought. I thought they would be, you know, maybe t- a tougher out than they've been at times. Yeah, I think the the the, the big issue with them, um, I, I, I recall when Joel and I were talking about it in the office, they're they're super transfer dependent. Um, you know, I want to say it was it was north of double digit guys on the on the two deep right of guys who were expected to play. I wanted to say five or six on on offense, five or six on defense, where it's just like new guys where you're plugging and playing, and you know, on paper it looks okay, right? Because these are dudes who are coming from Louisville, they're they're following Satterfield from Louisville. Um, they're coming from the SEC. They're all, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like they're well positioned to get transfers, um, but we know as well as anybody, it it it, it never works out right, like that, right? Like your question marks. It is very rare that you're a team with like 15 question marks, and all of them end up with like a nice green check by them. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's kind of been the case with Louisville. Um, you know, I I think just starting with the offense, um, you know they're. It strikes me as as a they're pretty similar to us. They profile similar to you know they want to run the ball. They have a mobile quarterback. They want to use play action. Um, they're close to you know sixty percent run. They're close. They're forty two percent play action. Um, but they've just been sloppy with the ball. The turnovers. Um, yeah. They're not very efficient, and they haven't been able to generate the explosives that we that we have. Um, but they do have some good players. You know. You know. I, I think. Like looking at these raw stats here, and all these stats are against the Big Twelve. Only nineteen and point three points per game, right? Like only BYU is worse in the conference; it's thirteenth in the conference, but four hundred nine yards per game, which is eighth, right? So, like you're you're looking at that, the five point six yards per play is tenth. You you would expect this to be kind of a middle of the road offense, and they and they just haven't been able to do it. I, you know, I think the red zone has has really uh, been poor for them. 74% red zone scores, 46% touchdowns in the red zone, which are both uh, 13th. But, like, you look at the state, like, they're they're second in the uh, conference in rushing behind us. Um, you know, they don't give up a ton of sacks. They don't give up a ton of negative plays. Like, this profiles as an offense that should be better than it is, but they're just – it just feels like they're kind of, like, sloppy with the ball. Um, That's definitely it. I mean, they, they've got a player – I mean, they've got – Corey Kiner, with who's almost 900 rushing yards already, right? Yeah. You know, he, he's knocking on the door of a thousand yard season. Um, the rushing game is really good. The rushing it, game is it, really it, good. It, That's kind of why why it's like confusing that they've struggled the way we have. Like usually, when you can run the ball as well as they've run the ball, it, you know, things fall into place, and they just haven't for them. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it just comes down to kind of like what you said. They've been sloppy with the ball. When you can run the ball, you should be able to play action. You should be able to do some things, and. I think the biggest difference, they've thrown 10 interceptions and you just, you can't do that. You know, you can't be giving the ball away. Um, so 
Yeah, it's just one of those where, I mean, this this very well could turn into one of those games where it could be a 24-21 game, right, and it's over in two hours. You know, fans can be going home at 4.30 because the, the clock never stops. We don't throw any passes. We just run the ball every down. I mean, sign me up for that. I'm down. I'm down. Get my Saturday night on, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, dude, you, you start going through, and it, it all it, – it's very much like us, right? Like Emory Jones – the offense is as good as Emory Jones lets the offense be, which I think is something that that Neil Brown and Garrett Green have both said about our offense. Um, and he strikes me as as like a pretty solid player who's doing the best he can with like not not that much help around him, uh, especially up front. But like you look at Emory Jones' stats, um, he's a, first of all I, I say he he's a true dual threat, right? Like he's sixteenth of eighteen. Uh, in the Big 12 in pass grade, like among quarterbacks with 100-plus dropbacks, eighth of 18 in run grade. Um, but the the usage is insane. You know, you you have 328 dropbacks. He has 79 designed runs, which is 12th in FBS, 578 yards, which is 11th in FBS. Um, and then he has 22 10-plus yard runs, which is fourth among Power 5 quarterbacks, seventh in FBS. So, like, this dude can hurt you with his legs. Um, I think the problem with his arm is just – he hasn't gotten any protection. You know, he's been pressured 111 times, which is second in the Big 12, only to Donovan Smith. He's been sacked 25, which is most in the conference. And he's been he's struggled against pressure, right? Like you can tell, like when he gets pressured, um, panics a little bit. The passing grade drops from 77.3 to 44.3 per PFF. Completion percentage drops from 68 to 43. Yards per attempt from 8.2 to 4.4. Um so, you know, he just – he strikes me as a guy who who probably feels like he has to do everything for this offense. Um, where, like, you know, I mean, what, 328 dropbacks, 79 design runs. Like, this guy's – this guy's played, like, 650 snaps. He's, he's, he's responsible for, like, 60 to 65% of them just on his own, which is insane considering that they run the ball as much as they do. Um you know, it, it feels like he's pressing a little bit maybe, but, like, he probably has to just because the way that they've tried to play, like, you know, like, it, it's quarterback dependent. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think overall, you know, he's going to be the, the difference between the game, you know, and, and fingers crossed he, he doesn't get hot like he does, like Houston did. Um, yep. You know, because I will say in just looking at, at the stats, it's really weird how close and how similar we are to, to Cincinnati. You start looking at pass defense, you know, ratings are almost the same. You start looking at some of the other stats and we're, we're eighth, ninth, seventh, eighth, you know, 10th, 11th, whatever. Like we're, we're neck and neck with them on a lot of different things. Like we profile very similarly. So yeah, we're this, like this half is, a standard deviation better. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to be one of those games where, the, the, the guy who flinches the least, the guy who doesn't make the mistake, the guy who, who plays within the scheme, the guy who, you know, just does what he needs to and manages the game could be the difference, right? So if he has to come out here and feel like he has to make a play kind of what Garrett did last week where he felt like, hey, I got to throw a, a, you know, a 21-point throw. I got to make a 21-point touchdown pass. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, you know, we, we talk about in baseball, you know, I, I can't hit a seven-run home run. You know, when you start doing that, things start falling apart. It's kind of the same thing here. If he feels like he's got to carry this team and he's the only one doing it, it could fall apart. But if he's kind of playing within himself, you know, this could be a back-and-forth game. 
I think a, a big part of that is going to be what we do against a running game. Like I said, the running game is strong. Second in yards per game behind us uh, in conference play. Second in the Big 12 with 70 explosive rushes, 29th in FPS with a 15.3% explosive run percentage. So 15% of their carries going for 10-plus yards. They got a trio of guys, man. Corey Connor, the, you know, the dude you called out, He's he's been the one. Um, he's the bell cow. He has uh, 161 uh, carries, 888 yards, five and a half a carry, five touchdowns, 3.2 after contact, and 46 missed tackles forced, which is six in the Big 12. So he's he's played very well. Um, you know, I, I thinking back to the deep dives, Joel and I looked at Corey Kiner and, and did not think that he was, you know, really a difference maker. And he has been a difference maker. He's been a, he's been a good player. Um, and then they have Miles and Ryan Montgomery, who have both been good. Um, you know, I think you you look at this trio and then you you throw um, Emory Jones in there. They're averaging five point six yards per carry on design runs. If you take out the sacks and the scrambles, and they force ninety five missed tackles as a foursome. Like this this running game is formidable. The the offensive line they suck at pass blocking. Right, they're thirteenth in the conference in pass block grade according to the PFF. Third in the Big Twelve and run block grade, so like, for me, it's it, this is this is a lunch pail game, man. You know we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to strap it up and fucking fit up and tackle, right? Like, and if we can do that, I don't think this pass game's good enough to beat us. Um, but if they're gonna you know line up and move us off the line of scrimmage and get three yards every time they run the ball, it, it's exactly like you said. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a twenty four twenty one kind of game where. It's going to come down to who makes a mistake in the fourth quarter, who gets the advantage in the fourth quarter, and it's going to suck. And there, really, there, there's no reason for it to be that way. There's no reason for it to be that way because this team is not that good. But the way that the offense plays is the same way that we play, and it, it is conducive to beating teams that are slightly better than you. Yep. Yep. So yep. any any thoughts about the offense? Anything else to add? No, I think that's it. I mean, you look at their, their run game. They are averaging five, five yards a carry. They're running it 44 times a game. They're averaging 220 yards a game. So it's going to come down to, can you stop the run? Can you get them in second and long, third and long situations? Cause if you can, then again, you put the ball in a guy's hands who's been making mistakes. And he's if struggling not, against pressure. Yep. Yep. You know, if it's third and two and they got the, the entire playbook at their disposal, it's going to be a long night. For sure. All right, get to the defense. Defense generally been decent. Um, I think play to play, they've been pretty good. They're good at creating havoc. Um, but the 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 real Achilles heel is they they are one of the worst teams in the country in allowing explosive plays. Um, and so it's it's kind of like the other side of the coin of 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 what uh, Jake and I have been talking about, right? Like, do you want to do you want to sell out and you know allow explosive explosive plays potentially, or do you want to kind of play a shell and you know, teams are going to have a high success rate and move the ball. And, you know, but like nothing crazy is going to happen. Like this is one of those teams where like they're good, they're good, they're good until they're not good. And then when they're not good, they're fucking awful. Um, but, you know, like <clears throat> raw stats wise, kind of middle of the road, 29 points per game against conference opponents, which is ninth, 387.9 yards per game, which is sixth. That's better than us. Um 1.1 sacks, 5.7 tackles for loss. That's 13th and 5th, respectively. Um, 40% third downs is 6th. Red zone defense is pretty good. 
Um, I think the, the the big problem with them, they haven't generated a whole lot of takeaways. Like they've played pretty well, play to play, haven't generated a whole lot of takeaways, and then they uh, they they give up a ton of explosive plays. But I think when you look at this defense, um, the, the defensive line is is the very clear strength of the defense um, of of the nine dudes. So look, th- this is looking at their PFF grades of of the nine dudes on their team that have averaged 10 plus snaps per game and are grading out above 65, which is what PFF says is like average to above average performance. Seven of the nine dudes are defensive linemen. And then the next two dudes who have missed the cut are also defensive linemen. So um, defensive line is the strength. Um, The rest of the defense, I don't know. You can kind of take it or leave it. What do you, what do you, what are you seeing on the Cincinnati defense here? So, yeah. So going back to your explosive plays in conference, Cincinnati has given up 55 plays, 20 plus yards. That's second worst in the conference. Yeah. And that's the one, that's the one that I kind of look at and I kind of go, those are the ones that you want to hit, right? Like it's really nice to hit those 50, 60 yard bombs, but if you can just kind of take those chunk plays that are in 21, 22, 23 and just, move down the field in four or five plays, that's really, really hard. And, and just give, you know, so they are second worst in the conference in that. You know, they are also minus four in turnover margin on the year, which is uh, third worst in the conference. That's the, that's the thing. You can keep them in, in long situations. If you can kind of chunk down the, down the field and then all of a sudden you start, we talked about it on the offense, if you can get them in second and long, third and long, there are opportunities there to take the ball away. They're not going to take the ball away on you a whole lot. They're going to give it away a little bit more. So, you know, if you can kind of move down the field and kind of put a little bit of pressure on them, this can be a game where you just kind of move down the field quickly. All of a sudden they press one, two throws. Next thing you know, we're all, we're all recycling and going home happy. Oh, I love recycling and going home happy. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I think I tend to agree, man. This is, you look at this defense. This is a week where, where our offensive line, right, going back to that question we got from the Discord thing, like if we're good, this is a week where the offensive line can straight up fucking win the game for us, right? Um, if they can keep these dudes at bay and we can get our skill guys, or we if we can give Garrett Green like time to find somebody or if we can get our guys space, like the second and third levels of this defense are, are not good. Um, you look at the linebackers. It's ugly. Jonathan Thompson's the highest graded one at 61.1. As I mentioned, PFF says 65 is average. PFF says 60 is replacement level, right? So you have one guy there, you have a 60.6 and then a a 56.5. All three of these dudes are in the bottom third of Big 12 linebackers who have averaged 10 plus snaps a game. Bad in run D, bad in coverage. The corners are even worse. Um, So they have three dudes who have averaged 10-plus snaps per game. And out of 56 cornerbacks in the Big 12 who averaged 10-plus snaps per game, they rank 47th, 49th, and 50th, right? Um, and it's actually it's, it's kind of weird because they have a low completion percentage allowed, but they're averaging 21.8 yards per catch, which is fucking insane. Um, all three of these dudes are in the bottom, bottom uh, five. So, like, of the bottom five guys, all three are in there. And yards per reception allowed. Um... It just it, it feels like a defense again. Like I said, like the offensive line can win the game for us. Like if we can give Garrett Green time, if we can give our skill position guys a little bit of space, we're we're gonna win against these skill position guys. But like if we let the defensive line kick our ass, like the way we got our ass kicked last weekend, if we lose the line of scrimmage, that's when Cincinnati's been successful. 
Um, and the defensive line is really good. They go like nine deep. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be a challenge. Like they're going to be running fresh guys in there. Apparently, Doug Nestor might not play, so that's tough. Um, but you know, it's one where, especially like Zach Frazier. Zach Frazier is going to be matched up on Dante Corleone, who is one of the best defensive linemen in the conference. Right? Good on good, win your matchup, or at least or at least stalemate. Right? At least stalemate, and we'll be we'll be just fine. Like this is a team we should expect to score thirty plus points on. I think, in my opinion. Um, I certainly hope so. One last yeah. to throw out there. Opponents have scored 89% of the time. They've gotten in the red zone against this team. They yep. have given up 62% touchdowns when they get into the red zone. So get into the red zone and score. Yeah, they, they, yep. do it. They, they allow it. When you get in there, you got to put some points on the board. Yep. So overall, man, I there, there there's – you just look at it. It's the worst version of us. Um. And there's no excuse to lose. And, and, right, like, dude, you're looking at Cincinnati. So, big picture, right? Neil, you got to fucking win this game. You can't lose the home. Like, I, I set a personal goal for the team that I am not affiliated with other than emotionally of going undefeated at home, right? We lost Oklahoma State. Kind of sucked. If you do this, we go 5-1 and one at home. That's that's big to me. That's that's a big deal to me uh, personally. Um but also, like, we're looking at the new Big 12 here, man. There's not going to be a Texas. There's not going to be an Oklahoma. Um, Cincinnati's going to be a part of it, though. And if you want to make them the fucking little brother, which they should be, it starts with kicking their ass at home when they're not good. Yep. 100%. And they're not good. We got to kick their ass. Yeah. And yeah. right now, the line's six and a half points. Jump all the fuck over it. We should beat these teams. We, we should beat these dudes by two touchdowns. Hundred percent. You know, th- this is one where you know, defend your home turf. It's your last home game of the year. You need to come out here and make a statement win because I think if you win this game on the last second field goal or you know a, an interception in the end zone or whatever, you're just you're not doing yourselves any favor. This is supposed to be a bad team. Their their record is bad. Just go out here and show what you're supposed to be. Right? You want to be top tier. You want to be a fresh one of, of the new Big Twelve go beat these guys and, and make it not close. Yep. And I'm completely okay with us not having an exciting game for the last uh, five games of the season. Like, right. Like we, we beat UCF bad. We beat BYU bad. We get blown out at Oklahoma, beat these next two teams bad. I'm cool with it. I'm completely yep. cool with it. Kick the shit out of them. We should, they suck. They've won six games, six and 14 combined. These teams yep. beat the shit out of them. Let's make it comfortable. Yep. Give me something to cheer about. Give me something to cheer about on Saturday. <laughs> Make it easy. God damn. All Make right. the hard part easy, yep. <laughs> Make the hard part easy. Dude, that's been the worst part, right? Like, I, this is not an original take, but the worst part has been, like, this year probably shouldn't have happened if we weren't in a budget crisis. Um, and what you were looking for is either a crater or, like, a, hey, awesome. Yep. You know, we won nine games. And we <laughs> we're somehow still in the fucking in the middle, and uh, and that's why everybody is arguing with each other, and everybody has differing opinions, and it's and it's tough. Um, but blowing out these last two teams would go a long way to making me feel good about what is this year five two year five that's yeah. year five oh okay um, yeah it'd make me feel good about year six year Neil Brown if we beat the shit out of these last two teams yeah. so. Go 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 do it, Neil. Went 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 out. 
one big, one big, so I can I can drink I can uh, recycle uh, happily. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah, so. dude, I hate man. I don't hate it. I do hate it. I do hate it. But yeah, nothing worse than uh, it's like man. I'm I'm just trying to drink drink to forget instead of drink to celebrate. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's it. Anything else from you? No. Uh, you know, hey, the good news is is we got three more left, right? We got two in a bowl, so let's go enjoy. Enjoy. We can still get to nine, man. We can. We can. Still get to nine for whatever it's for whatever it's worth. Hey, a Liberty Bowl win over Maryland to get to nine would not be the worst thing in the world. I would, I would, I would accept. I would graciously accept. All right, cool. Well, hey, I appreciate everybody listening. You can, you can. I'm trying to remember what uh, Joel Joel usually does this the, the spiel at the end, but you can find us at West uh, by Pod on Twitter. West underscore by underscore Pod. Um, find us. Uh, join the Smoking Musket Discord. Got a lot of we we have a good time in there. There's lots of memes. Lots of memes, lots of shit talking, a little bit of brisket, some animals, um, you know, all kind of, you know, what, whatever you're into, it's in the Smoking Musket Discord. Um, if you're into our excellent basketball team, which is one and one with wins over, uh, I don't recall the first game, and then uh, we lost to Monmouth in the uh, second game, check out Unreasonable Doubt, the podcast. Guy does a podcast after every game, gets them out quickly, night of, which is fantastic, um, and it's a good listen. Um, but other than that, yeah, we're good. Let's go out and take care of business Saturday, man. Yep. Let's go. Why not? You, Why you not? can find us at smokingmuscle.com. You can find me on Twitter at Nightstare. You can find Jordan at uh, game day short. You Jake can, doing my uh, job for me. Yeah. You can come <laughs> yell at me all you want. I'm more than willing to engage you. I will not block you. I don't care. I'm too old. I'm too tired. I've got two kids. You know, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Jake, Jake, Jake is the grizzled samurai. And, and if you come up to him, he's going to just click that sword out of the belt. Just like that. And then yeah. the next, you know, whatever happens next is up to you. Yep. It's up to you. He's available. Yep. But we're here. <laughs> come join the Discord. You can come interact with us. We, we won't yell at you too much. And, and if we do, no, just, no, just we're, understand we're having fun. So. Yeah, we have fun. We have fun. All right, gang. Appreciate you listening. Take care. Beat the hell out of Cincinnati. credit card bill.